G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. In this show, we are talking about the free agency period for the Eastern Conference teams, breaking it down from a fantasy basketball perspective. Let's go! open, Chicago with the lead! Not a game. We talking about practice. LeBron James with no record for human life. And he's going to go. Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. Curry for three. Wow. Unbelievable. Making it rain in New York. We the North are now we the champions. Not the destination. It's the journey. Hello and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Bo- Basketball Podcast again. I'm your host, Mitchell Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at NBA. And as always, I'm joined with my good friend, Callum Mack. How you doing, man? Pretty good, dude. Feeling inspired that there were haters out there that said our intro is too long. It's not. It's perfect. <laughs> Inspirational. It gets, it gets me hyped up every time. And now we are, we're hearing it live on the podcast with a, with a bit of new equipment that we've got available for the first time. So I'm feeling a bit extra juiced up as well, um, than, than normal now, instead of just listening to it in post production. So, uh, love, love that with our, with our new equipment. You might hear a, a few more sounds throughout the podcast than normal as well today, but, Getting straight into it because we've got a, we've got a lot of things to get through today. Free agency, it's come and gone. It all happened pretty quickly um, since the last week since we've recorded. So uh, before we get stuck into the teams individually, any uh, big takeaways from a more NBA perspective with um, free agency, Cal? Um, it was it all happened pretty quickly, like like it always does. Um, there's no huge, I don't think, winner either. Um, but there's good shuffle, so there's definitely some fantasy aspects to take in consideration. Yeah, lots lots of fantasy things, lots of fantasy fallouts for us to talk about today. So we're going through the Eastern Conference on this podcast. The next podcast, we're going to go through the Western teams as well. So we're going to get stuck straight into it, going alphabetically through all the teams. Um, for those who are watching along on YouTube there, we've also got our projected starting five up on the screen, which you'll be able to see. Obviously, it's early days and, and these might change, but just um, projecting what we think that they will be opening night or for the majority of the seasons with a few injuries still to play out. So let's start with the Atlanta Hawks. A um, couple of notable additions that they've made. Nothing too major for this team. We've got D-Line Wright coming in from free agency, and they've drafted Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson, as well as they've signed Gorgie Jang. They've lost Chris Dunn. Not not too exciting here, Cal, but we do know that this is one of the fa- uh, the deepest teams in the NBA. We spoke about this last year. They're even deeper this year with a couple of solid draft picks and picking up D-Lon Wright, who I think is an upgrade over Chris Dunn. In terms of how this impacts the team fantasy-wise, what what are your major thoughts? Is is there much to take out of the uh, free agency period for these guys? Um, free agency, not, not so much. I don't think these guys are going to contribute hugely. Um, I, I still think because they want their main um, kind of, you could say it's a negative from a fantasy point of view, is just the, the injuries. Um, and it's kind of hard to project their starting lineup because they're such a deep team. Yeah, They really are a deep team. Um, Gallinari stepped in sometimes. You had Reddish had some time out, which um, gave some great opportunity for some, um, you know, some Solomon Hill um, we saw late yeah. season. I yeah, wouldn't say he's right a fantasy now. prospect, but um, opened the starting point guard to Bojan Bogdanovich. Schwerda got, you know, some starting roles at some point. So it, it is tough to forecast him. Obviously, Trey Young will do his thing fantasy-wise. Um, I feel like it's probably more the forward position. Is yeah. John Collins the starting power forward? Probably. 
the small forward I think is open for debate. I think is so it, too. Uh, uh, is it Reddish? Is it Hunter? Yeah. I think I think so too. I've I've, I've popped in um, DeAndre Hunter here at this stage, but uh, you know I think I think that's the one I'm least confident in the shooting gun position, maybe a little bit as well. But uh, with Bogdan Bogdanovic there, um, look it. <sighs> Again, with, with if we go back to those free agency signings, obviously Dillon Wright was another player who had a little bit of fantasy value at times last year, but won't have any fantasy value on this team. So he's a big loser when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks here. Um, outside of that, yeah, not too much different. I think you, you've got limited value outside of the, the Trey Youngs, Clint Capellas, and John Collins on this team. The wings are all just like your 28 to 30 minute a night sort of guys, and they don't put up too many big stats. I think the, the probably the highest upside guys there is a DeAndre Hunter, who's got that, that sort of more efficiency, better rebounder, can get some steals and things like that as well. But outside of that, I think there's not too much exciting going on here for the Atlanta Hawks. So we'll, we'll move straight on. A little bit more intrigue with this team here, the Boston Celtics here, Cal. So... They've been busy. They've made a few moves going back even before the draft. They um, Obviously, they had a trade uh, getting rid of Kemba Walker. So we'll go through their additions. They've added in Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, who signed today as well, and Enos Cantor, who's coming over from the Trailblazers. And they've lost Kemba Walker, Tristan Thompson, and Evan Fournier. So what's what are your thoughts here on Boston, the Boston Celtics? Any... Obviously, we've got a few moving pieces here. What do you think is the biggest uh, takeaway from their free agency moves? Uh, look, they're, they're lucky that they got Dennis Schroeder um, last minute. So he's definitely going to contribute to this team. I um, I definitely, I could even see him sliding into the starting lineup and Al Horford being pushed out into a bench role because we know Robert Williams with the injury kind of history um, isn't super reliable and, and gets in the um, kind of foul hunt as well. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but otherwise, your, your main contributors, Smart, Brown, and Tatum, will be um, contributing similarly to what they did last season, I think. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to play out here, and I'm very interested in to see... Obviously, this is my team, so I, I am always interested in the Celtics, but I, I wonder who what the starting lineup is going to be. I wonder how many minutes Al Horford's going to play. I wonder what they're going to do with Josh Richardson, who's come in, whether he's just going to be a replacement for Evan Fournier, or if they see him as a starter... At the moment, I keep flip-flopping between Josh Richardson starting at the shooting guard and everyone moves down, pushing Robert Williams off into the bench, or they um, push Al Horford to the power forward and start Robert Williams at center. I'm not really sure where it goes there. I think it might even be like a matchup dependent uh, rotation system. So if they come up against, say, like a uh, Indiana Pacers, someone, a, a team with a couple of uh, big power forwards and centers in... Sabonis and Turner, then they'll start the the big-headed sort of front court with Horford and Williams. But then when they come up against a Brooklyn Nets team, they're not going to start the both of them together because one of them is going to have to go Kevin Durant and that's just not going to work out. So they might start a Josh Richardson or something like that. So there's a few things to to play out here. Um, Who do you think are the biggest winners and losers with Kemba leaving and Al Horford coming in? Obviously, with the other sort of losses and additions taken into account as well. Um, the biggest winner, uh, it's probably going to be Jalen Brown and, and probably, I don't know, they both had such good seasons. I don't see them yeah. really inflating, uh, but they're still going to have the same usage. Kemba uh, was putting some shots up. Maybe it goes to Marcus Smart. Maybe that's the guy it goes to, but but you have to be reminded, you could say that Dennis Schroeder slots in and can take just as many shots as Kemba did. So uh, you could flip a point. I don't think there's any real clear winner per se. 
Yeah, I think I think there's like a bump all around for a few different players. I, I do agree. I think Jalen Brown, we saw when Kemba was out at the start of last season that he went absolutely crazy, averaging like 27 or 28 points a night. So I think he's going to take another step forward. Um, I think Tatum and his uh, assists are going to continue to grow as they have been the last few seasons. And I, I agree with you, Marcus Smart. I think, I think Marcus Smart is the biggest winner. Because I think if he plays point guard and if he's the starting point guard opening night, he is someone who um, might even be a, a potential sleeper depending on how ADPs roll out. He's often someone that gets bumped down people's boards because of his field goal percentage. But he's going to give you steals. He's going to give you good assists, threes, rebounds for a guard, um, solid free throw percentage. So he is someone that I think is in for a pretty big year as the starting point guard. Um, you touched on it before. Do you think Schroeder starts for this team? Personally, I don't. I think he was signed on a one-year deal, you know, was it a minimum or $6 million? That sort of tells to me that they're not they're not banking on him long-term, so I don't know if that, that means he starts for this team. I mean, I, I'm not too sure if Marcus Smart is a, a true point guard, though, so I don't know if it will work. I think, I mean, you could argue Shooter isn't either. Um, he's more of a scorer, so it's a question mark. I think it's either between him, Jay Rich, and Al Horford for that last starting role, and it could be any any of those three to slot in with um, such a you know agile and and um, quite easy lineup to fit in as it all flows. So I, I think one question would be who who would you draft first in, in a draft? Would it be Al Horford or Robert Williams? Oh, it's Robert they Williams. Could be similar. No, it's Robert Williams all day you long. Robert Williams, hundred percent. This guy um, has got the per minute uh, upside. I think that he is someone who... Who do you think gets more minutes, Robert Williams or Al Horford? Well, that's what it comes down to. Like Maybe Al Horford takes the starting center role and, and Williams comes off the bench. It wouldn't surprise me at the start of the season if Al Horford's playing more minutes, but by the end of the season, it's Robert Williams. Because uh, I'm, I'm a Robert Williams truther. I've got him on my dynasty team. Obviously, I'm a Celtics fan. I watch the team very closely, and I think Robert Williams is the center of the future. I think he's the perfect fit with this starting group. Um, you know, a low usage player that just plays defense, block shots, and dunks the ball. That's what we need next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I actually, before, funny, funnily enough, before the Dennis Schroeder signing, I thought that Robert Williams was in for a breakout season, and he's someone that I'm watching very closely in the preseason and potentially might be a breakout candidate for me. Um, but if he gets 28 minutes a night, he's he's got top 50, top 40 potential because it's just that. Those blocks, the steals, the field goal percentage, all that good stuff. So yeah, it's easily him for me. But but that being said, I mean Al Horford, he was putting up his numbers. They're not to laugh at. He put up no, fourteen, they, they were seven good. rebounds, three and a half assists, point nine steals, point nine blocks. Yes, it was on an OKC team that was displaying his talents. Yeah. Um, but he, look, I still think that look, Ron Williams can get in foul trouble. He does get injured. Al Horford could be a good um, go-to kind of mid-round to late-round pickup. Yeah, look, I don't hate it. I, obviously, the shutdown risk is less on a team like the Celtics, which is a big thing. They went shut down. They're a yeah, playoff team. They're a playoff team. They want it. They want it to be feeling good going to playoffs. But I don't know. I just think that his value is also tied very much to low turnovers, and you know how I feel about turnovers. So I think that um, if you take that into account, he's more he's close to that sort of 
top 100, top 90 player than like a mid-round guy. Um, so for me, it's just something that I'm not as keen on. But uh, there is a point at which I would draft him, but I would definitely be taking the swing on the upside for Williams first because his, yeah, his upside is really high. Let's, let's, let's move on. We've talked a lot about uh, the Boston Celtics. Um, <laughs> as I don't mind, but I'm sure the listeners want me to talk about something else. Let's go on to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, just a few different things here. Paddy Mills is one of their big signings. They've also brought on James Johnson, and they've drafted a couple of rookies in Cam Thomas and Kessler Edwards. Uh, they lost Spencer Dinwiddie, who was injured most of the season anyway, and one of the big losses they have was Jeff Green. So in terms of fantasy implications, there's not a lot of going on here. Maybe you could say that the loss of Jeff Green frees up a few minutes at center for uh, Nicholas Claxton, who is someone that I'm also watching as a potential breakout candidate as well. Um, but outside of that, it's going to be much the same for the, the Nets this year. Would you agree? Yeah, much the same. You still got the big three, and they're getting their shots. James Harden's getting—he's going to get a lot of assists this season. Now that he's going to have the full season there. I um, expect Kyrie to still have amazing percentages. Expect Kevin Durant to do his thing. Yeah. So all of them would still be first and second round um, picks in my mind. Um, now you can see that the starting lineup that I've got here for the Brooklyn Nets. Do you agree with these? The starting lineup. Do you think that Blake Griffin starts the center? Um, I I probably think it could be even be a matchup based thing. Um, yeah seeing what Steve Nash does. I, I can see Blake actually is coming off the bench, being that glue guy from that end. And then maybe I'm going with the Claxton um, just to have that bit more oh. agility and, and size. I'd love to see that. I, I do like Nicholas Claxton. I think he fits in better with these guys, the starting lineup. Again, just like that low usage player, defensive orientated. So um, if he is starting opening night, again, might not have the upside that, that Robert Williams has, but... Someone who I think is going to be a bit of a breakout contender uh, for this fantasy season. Um, not a well-known player, so if you're drafting early, I would be definitely taking him um, towards the back end of your draft and, and crossing my fingers because I think there's there's real potential here uh, for, for Nicholas Claxton as a breakout guy. Uh, let's move on to the Charlotte Hornets. Lots happening over here at Charlotte. Uh, we've got uh, a few inclusions. We've got Mason Plumley traded on draft night, as well as a few key draftees in James Booknight and Kai Jones. They've also brought in uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., Ish Smith, and they've also got a second-round pick in JT Thor. Notable losses, they've lost Devontae Graham, Cody Zeller, and Malik Monk. Uh, firstly, pour out one for, for Cody Zeller, the, the longest-tenured Charlotte Hornet. He's finally out of there. Uh, it's a sad day. Look, I thought he was going to get that rebounding record. Maybe he did. I, I haven't looked it up. I'm going out of my way, but maybe maybe he's the lead rebounder in, in uh, Hornet history. It wouldn't shock <laughs> me. There's, there's not been a huge <laughs> a huge amount of rebounders <laughs> in that franchise. But uh, let's let's touch on a few things for the fantasy implication. Now, this uh, this team, when I've been looking at the projections, they're surprisingly deep. Uh, they 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 go nearly too deep in every position. Who do you think's again? Uh, we'll, we'll talk biggest winners and biggest losers on this team. Do you have anyone in mind? I think LaMelo Ball, now that he's got the keys, he is a winner, yeah. just in general. Um, we know that, um, I guess, look, they got Ish Smith. He's a backup point guard. He'll fit well with LaMelo Strictly when they play up. some minutes together. But otherwise, Devontae Graham is out of there. Um, so I feel like him and uh, Scary Terry, Rosia, will definitely have the reins. And Scary Terry had some great fantasy value too. I think he will maintain it. So he is worth um, pretty much where he was. There was many points during last season where he was like a top 20 fantasy player for like month like a good month or two yeah. 
So he he's worth um, reaching for if you like him. Gordon Hayward, you do have to remember, I think it is an injury concern. Everyone should realize yeah. that at this point in his career, it's been year after year after year. And so it's a good thing that they do have depth. So if he does go down, maybe swipe up a, a Kelly Oubre, for example, because I think he fits in the six-man role right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't have him projected in a starting lineup. Would you agree with that, with Kelly Oubre? I, I think he would slot into that six-man role currently, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, I thought it was interesting him signing there because you've also got you've got Miles Bridges in there. You've got the rookie book knight who you're higher on than I am. But, um, you know, you've got the the Martins, or I th- although I think one of the Martins, I can't remember if it was Caleb or, or Cody, got uh, dropped uh, a couple of days ago. Jalen McDaniels is still there. Um, you know, so there's... there's you know, PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward, there's, there's a lot of wings on this team. So that's why I sort of had a hard time when, my, when I'm doing my projections, trying to figure out who gets on the court for the most. Um, I think a couple of losers for this team from a fantasy perspective. Uh, PJ Washington is someone who played a lot of small ball center last year with Cody Zeller being, you know, pretty shit. I think Mason, <laughs> Mason Pumbley, look, he's not, he's not the, the best center in the world, but I think he is still an upgrade over Cody Zeller. And the fact that they've got, um, you know, Kai Jones uh, sitting in the back there as well, who can get some some minutes at a, as a rookie center, maybe just maybe a little bit this year, not too much. Um, it, it limits his center minutes, which I think is where he gets all his blocks and rebounds and things like that. So I think he's a loser. I think Kelly Oubre Jr. and Miles Bridges are also both losers because of the depth on this team. But... Um, there's still probably draftable players, but yeah, I would be tempering expectations to sort of that 100 rank range at this early stage without going too deep into it. Would you agree with those sort of assessments there? Yeah, I agree. I'd probably even ease off drafting Kelly Oubre just because I don't know what his role will be like in this yeah. team. I think it would be a six-man. It could be a flyer in like the very late rounds, but I'd, I'd like to see it first. Um, he can. The thing is, when he was at Washington and played the six-man, he did do really well, but he was kind of the lead guy. Yeah, um, off the bench. Yeah, this true. team is so deep that they'll stagger minutes between Ball and, and Rosier. And, and you've got Book Knight who's going to handle some of the ball himself as well. Um, so I, I do think he's definitely taken a bit of a hit. Yeah, I, I forget that he was he, he originally came from Washington and then obviously went to the Phoenix Suns where he played really well. Was I think he was like a top 60 player in fantasy when he was at, at Phoenix and then obviously didn't play as well at... Um, at Golden State, I think in terms of his like percentages and things like that, I think he'll be better this year coming than he was at Golden State because he was horrible, especially to start the season. Like his percentages were disgusting. I think um, I think he'll be better than that, but it's going to be counteracted by the the lack of usage and and so the other mouths to feed on that team. So overall, he's a bit of a loser. Let's uh, move on to one of the biggest players in free agency, the Chicago Bulls. Um, this one, the first one was well advertised. Um, it was Lonzo Ball um, is one of the notable additions. Never lost Lonzo Ball there, uh, and there's one of our buttons there for the for the long time listeners. Uh, and Demar Derozan, uh, as well as Tony Bradley, who is a sort of a, a center they can plug in there. A few losses here for this team. Otto Porter, um, I, I've got him down there, but obviously he was also traded to the Magic, so that one is <laughs> a long time loss. Um, Thaddeus Young. Thomas Sadoransky, Daniel Tice, and Garrett Temple. And it, I don't know if they're bringing back Larry Markin. We still don't know what's going on with Larry Markin at this stage. He's still unsigned. He's not talking to anyone. He's stopped, uh, stopped calling people. He's not taking texts. So it sounds like he's out of there. Just not sure where he is going just yet at, at time of recording. 
Uh, what's uh, still a fair bit to play out with this team. They actually don't have a full roster signed yet. Um, but generally, what's what's the fantasy implications here, Cal? Um, I'll say, I think I think with Markin, th- this fantasy roster won't be complete because I think Markinen will be a sign and trade. So I think someone else will be coming in for him. But, but that being yeah. said, um, the biggest winners, uh, I, I like the, I like their starting lineup offensively. And I think you can pretty much lock that in with Ball, Levine, DeRozan, Williams, and, and Vucevic. Yeah. Um, obviously, in terms of a loser, we spoke about it when the trade happened. Vucevic, his stock will come down. He was putting up top 10 value for the majority of the yeah. time at Magic. Um, he's still going to be a second round draft pick. I'd say a second round draft pick. I think Williams is worth a flyer. Um, last time he was kind of in and out of our waiver wire, yeah. but r- right now he will definitely have the defensive assignments um, every single game. He will get steals. He can get blocks. Um, he's putting up a good summer league. I think um, even though the shots might not be there, percentages should be, I think it could be a bit of a, a Nick Batum of the old days in terms of fantasy value. Um, DeRozan, I think his assists will drop. Yeah, um, I, I think agree. they will drop. Levine, all of his could take a bit of a bump as well from last season, given the fact that he is now sharing the ball with DeRozan. Um, and Ball, and I think, ball. will be main. I think his stats will be reasonably similar to what they were at New York. Yeah, I think, I think he's the safest in terms of like a hit because he's such a low usage player. He doesn't require many touches to get his points. He shoots a high volume out of three. So even if his shots you know, decrease, they're, they're still... Uh, most of them are three pointers. Um, he still gets his rebounds and, and all those sort of things. Levine, DeRozan, they don't want to, they don't want to trouble the rebounding. Uh, but I think Levine, DeRozan, and Ball could all lose some assists because there's a lot of playmaking going on there. Vucevic is a good playmaker as well. So um, I like you said, I like their team offensively. Uh, defense, we'll see. Um, but I, I think there are a lot of losers going on here. I think the biggest loser of all is um, Kobe White. I think, well, not that he was someone who was had insane value to begin with. I, I thought he was going to potentially have a bit of a breakout year last year. Didn't happen. Um, he's just not that good. Um, but I think he will suit this off-the-bench role a bit better, a la Jordan Clarkson, Jamal Crawford. But uh, in terms of his assists, in terms on, uh, of his um, sort of scoring, it's obviously going to take a hit with reduced minutes off the bench. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a bit of a hit to most of their... most players' values on this team. So, um, But I think, like you said, Lonzo's probably the safest in this group here. Yeah, I, I will say that um, I still love Zach Levine. Where, where would you be drafting him? See, he was he was a top 20 player last year, um, if memory serves me. I think he is someone who I would be drafting either back end of the second round, start of the third. So sort of towards that 20 to 25 range would be my guess at the moment. I haven't done all my projections at the moment, but that's sort of where I'm putting him there because he's a scorer. You've got to get your points early. Um, he gets steals, even though he's not a great defender. He doesn't, get, he doesn't really get steals, though. That, that's why his averages usually aren't uh, okay. you know, top 20. Yeah. I'll have to double-check that. I haven't, I haven't quite done my projections just yet, but I, I would guess he's, he's probably still a top 25 player, but more towards that 20 to 25 um, yeah, so, I reckon so around the 25 to 30 for me. But look, I love having on my team. Um, he can actually be sneaky good in field goal as well for a point guard. Shot yeah. over 50% from the field, um, gets you threes, puts up that really solid stat line of about 25, 5, and 5. Yeah. Um, it really is just those defensive stats. So he, he only averaged 0.8 steals last season. Yeah, which, that's um, his big need. And I don't expect that going up anytime soon. You could say on the Team USA team is inspired in the play defense. Maybe that's the case. 
Unlikely. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it at all, but uh, we'll see. We will see. They'll need someone to step on defense, that's for sure. Let's go on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, not a lot happening here at all. Uh, they basically have had one signing that's worth noting. That's Ricky Rubio, as well as bringing in their number two, over, uh, sorry, number three overall pick, um, Evan Mobley. Um, we know that they, well, the, probably the biggest thing they did in free agency was re-sign Jarrett Allen. We sort of expected with Mobley being the draft pick that that wouldn't happen, but it has happened. What are your thoughts on the re-signing there in terms of how it's going to affect Mobley and Allen? Are they playing together or is, you know, Mobley coming off the bench? What's what's going on there, Cal? I think they definitely can play together. You might even find when um, other teams go small ball against them, you just have Mobley close it with him at the five. But Jarrett Allen's still going to get some time. Um, definitely in the first three quarters. He and, and like any bigs these days, they probably only average like the high 20s in numbers. They won't be in the 30s, which Jared Allen wasn't doing anyway. He's still going to get his blocks. He'll get his rebounds. He'll get his field goal in that time that he's, he's given. So, Yeah, okay. Um, t- we had we had Mobley as our second-ranked dynasty rookie. Does the re-signing of Jared Allen change that at all for you? Or is it just the fact that you still believe in Mobley and still believe in his... Um, sort of projection long-term anyway with, with Alan being there? Look, maybe this will be the start of the Twin Towers. Maybe we'll, we could have two players with two blocks yeah. averaged on, on the same team. I, I'm not concerned about Mobley. He'll get you blocks. That's why you draft him. Yeah. He's a safe bet for blocks. Won't hurt you really anywhere. He can shoot. He can do everything. And that is the reason you would draft him. Uh, I've actually been really impressed with him um, so far at um, Summer League in terms of his passing ability, in terms of his ball handling. I, I've seen him sort of like start fast breaks a fair bit at Summer League. So I do like his ability to play a little bit of four. I, I personally would rather see him as a as a, a five, a, a center, but... I do think that it's not going to it's not going to limit his minutes is is probably the biggest thing. I think he's still going to play probably close to 30 minutes in his rookie year, so um pretty early question, but where would you be comfortable drafting him in a redraft league in terms of uh next year? Like a dynasty league? No, no, like a redraft league. So like if we when we have our ball boys uh state high draft, where where's he coming off the board? Is he coming off sort of top 70 where, where, where are you thinking I think um, I think you'd be trying to pick him up look he's going to get minutes he's going to get blocks and blocks are hard to come by so I, I'd say as high as a fifth round pick and as late as a seventh round pick it'd be between that bracket yeah okay yeah fair enough so that yeah that'd be like that eight, uh, 60 to 85 range I think that's probably about about right I think last year I drafted um, James Wiseman at pick 90 obviously that went horrible um, I'm a bit higher <laughs> I'm a bit higher on Mobley than I am with um, James Wiseman. It's a different team that's not trying to win a championship now. So I think for that reason, I'd go a bit higher. So probably I'd be around pick 70, 75 for, for me personally in a redraft league. But um, it is dependent if you need those blocks, if you need those rebounds and field goal percentage. Let's move on to the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys. Obviously, not a huge lot going on here either, but a couple of draft picks that we need to talk about. Cade Cunningham, selected number one overall. And randomly, um, they picked up Kelly Olynyk on free agency. That was a bit of a weird one. Um, they've obviously lost Mason Plumley and Wayne Ellington uh, as two notable um, losses. What do you think is happening with this team um, from a fantasy perspective? How do these inclusions of Cade and Olenek affect the rest of the team? Well, the clearest one will be um, Jeremy Grant, I think, will take a hit 
just because of Cade's there. Cade's going to have a lot more of the ball. And also because Killian Hayes is healthy as well. Um, I just think this team will be looking a little bit differently. Sadiq Bay also takes a fair bit of shots. Um, he was obviously starting off the bench last year. Yeah. He will be in that starting lineup. Um, it's it's a pretty new-shaped team. I think you can definitely be confident in Cade. Firstly, Jeremy Grant, even though he would take a bit of a dip, um, I wouldn't go reaching for him. Don't expect him to put up the same numbers as last season. Um, but I would be looking to reach for Isaiah Stewart. He is a great player. Um, he, in the past, in the last three months, when he was getting a bit more minutes in terms of like a starting starting role, he was averaging about 2.3 blocks a game um, while shooting good free throw percentage. And that yep. is hard to come by. Lots and that was kind of your 50-ish value. So. Yeah, I think I think there's a bit of a trend here. I think there's a lot of big guys, um, young bigs, who are uh, sort of primed, ready to break out. Um, funnily enough, all the ones we've talked about, I do have on my fantasy team. So I'm hoping a little bit, uh, sorry, on my dynasty team. <laughs> so I'm hoping a, a little bit is, is going to happen. But I think Isaiah Stewart should be starting come opening night. Would you agree? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll definitely say that. And you have, like, you have like a Linux off the bench? Um. I mean, is Alinek really a star? Alinek is putting up MVP like, numbers too. Yeah. We, have to, we have to maintain that at Houston Rockets. He was a, an MVP candidate. But um, I, I think it's Isaiah Stewart at this point. I, I think so too. But the, part of me just thinks that Dwayne Case is going to do something fucking stupid and just um, put Alinek out there and, and put his rookies that were in the old, old rookie teams last year on the bench. And I don't know. There's, there's a little bit of a concern there. But if I get a whiff that uh, Isaiah Stewart is the starter and he's going to be playing 28 minutes a night, then yes, I think top 50 is not out of reach for him. Just again, fantasy players that, you know, put up good field goal percentage, blocks, rebounds, free throw percentages that won't kill you, um, you know, they're worth their weight in gold. They're, they're very hard to come by. So he is someone that I am very interested in and I think is another breakout contender. Let's, uh, oh, we didn't touch on K too much, but uh, just quick question. Where would you be taking him in redraft league? So he's our number one rookie dynasty um, ranked player. What, what do you think about redraft leagues? He's definitely going to be handed the keys. So um, I'd, I'd probably say around the 50, around the, the 50, um, because I can see him putting up like about, an, you know, 18, 6 and 6. Mm. And the assists are valuable. That's that's the thing. Yeah. And Maybe they are worth getting pretty early um, when you can get them in, in terms of the draft. So I'd say around the 50 mark. I like it. I think I've got him exactly around that mark. I think he could potentially return top 40 value, but in terms of the risk, I wouldn't want to take him there. Um, it is risky taking rookies um, this early in redraft leagues. It it worked out. Uh, I think the last one that really worked out was Carl uh, Anthony Towns when he was a rookie. Who I drafted, and that, you, that was great for me. You did, yeah. <laughs> and um, kudos to you. It was it was a good pick. Uh, I think I tried one a couple of years ago when I, when I drafted Zion in, I think it was the fourth round. Um expecting more defensive stats, they didn't come. So, you know, we're expecting some defensive stats from Cade. They might not come like a Zion, um, but we'll we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. I, I'm probably a bit more confident in Cade than I am in Zion because there's not that negative in terms of free throw percentage and three-pointers. He's a bit more well-rounded. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, again, not a team we have to talk too much about. They've brought in a couple of rookies in Isaiah Jackson and Chris Duarte. They also brought in um, Tory Craig and lost Doug McDermott. But basically, not a lot else happening here. The only question I sort of want to throw up to you, Cal, is who is their starting small forward? Um, at the moment, I've got Justin Holiday there, but you know you could also consider players like TJ Warren, um, you could talk about Jeremy Lamb. Does Karis Levert 
um, start at small forward and maybe uh, TJ McConnell starts in there. Um, who, what's what's happening at the small forward position here, Cal? I think it's going to be TJ Warren if he's healthy. And he was out for all of our season. You'd think he would be back. Um, he did, Look, he had foot surgery. Um, but th- look, that, that was in May of um, last year. So yeah. I'm not too sure. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't May of last year. But he, he could be back. I, I, I think I'd actually probably bet my money on Chris Duarte. Uh, just because he, I think he is NBA ready. He's doing a great summer league um, showing Starting. he can do it you, all. He defends. You think I would actually sneakily maybe have a bit of a fire with Chris in my, maybe my last pick um, in terms of the, if I do a bit of a draft, he would be my, I, I think he's worth a fire. Yeah. Okay. Uh, look, I don't, I don't hate it. I think um, it's, it's definitely a, a position that's open and it's going to be a bit of a battle. Um, even if he gets the starting role, I'm not sure if he gets the minutes though, because there are, a few guys there competing for that that role. So in my eyes, I think that position is just a bit of a wash when it comes to fantasy. But if he really takes the reins and makes it his position, puts up 32, 30 minutes a night, then, um, yeah, he definitely could put up fantasy stats. He, he gets the, the threes, he gets the assists, steals. So he's got a good fantasy profile. Um, so, yeah, as your last pick, that's definitely worth a flyer. So I, I don't, don't hate that at all. Let's move over to the Miami Heat. Uh, big players in the free agency. One of the biggest signings was getting Kyle Lowry in a sign-and-trade. They've also picked up PJ Tucker, so two huge additions for their um, fantasy, well, not fantasy, the, the real NBA push um, with your boys there. Um, and they obviously also lost Goran Dragic and Precious Achua. So they're also pretty low on players in general, so they haven't re-signed a few of their guys to create the cap space. What are your thoughts in terms of fantasy implications here, Cal, uh, with the addition of Kyle Lowry? Um, I, I think it will have a bit of an effect on Jimmy Butler's assists. Um, it's it's pretty crazy to think. I think he had about 7.2 assists last season, which was a, definitely a, a season high. I'll start check that now. But yeah, he, he was incredible. You'd have to less, expect that to come down. Um, he's still going to get you the steals, but he, he won't be in that same tier. Um, he's still a second-round pick, I think, a late second-round pick. Um, good old Jimmy Butler. Um, I think Kyle Lowry, I'm not too sure how it's going to affect him, really. I, I think his numbers will be maintained pretty similar to what he's been putting up last year. Um, and last year, there was a, a decrease in value from the year previously. But I yeah. think that will kind of, to some degree, um, even out just because he was playing in, in Tampa Bay and he wasn't too motivated. He will be motivated this season. Yeah, there's definitely more at stake at this season. So, um, look, I think, I think, yeah, I probably agree. I think Kyle Lowry's stats will probably, you know, maybe a slight decrease just because he's getting older, but more that than a different team sort of thing. Um, Jimmy Butler's, yeah, hit to the assists. Uh, maybe a little bit of a hit to the assists for Bam at a bio. Uh, but, but not a whole lot happening on this team. They're, they're obviously still going to play heavy minutes. Their bench, they're not too deep on, on terms of the bench. Um, you know, you've got your Tyler heroes and things like that coming off the bench, but um, yeah, I don't think I don't think see a, a, a super amount of things changing here for this team. Um, Is Tyler Hero worth um, drafting? Look, he'd be worth the last sort of couple of picks flyers if you, if you're super keen. But I'm personally not a huge Tyler Hero fan. I think we discussed this last year on the pod. He was a bust potential. He ended up being a bust. So, um, which uh, you unfortunately drafted due to a. Uh, a shot clock <laughs> violation, which, which is pretty ironic. Um, but yeah, look, last couple of picks, that's fine if you want to get some threes and points. I think he will have a, a better season this season. He was fighting some injuries last season, and I, he's going to get a lot of minutes. There's not really a backup point guard. No, there are a really. lot of minutes available, yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I do actually think he will be um, having the ball in his hands a fair bit in that second unit. So he, I, he definitely is worth a flyer in my eyes. Yep, if you can start with the percentages, yeah, I think I think he he will put up some uh, some starting. Uh, sorry, some some raw stats. Let's move on to one of the most boring teams in the NBA, and I say boring. Uh, because they've obviously just won the championship, so they don't need to do too much. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, they add Rodney Hood and Grayson Allen and lose PJ Tucker. From a fantasy perspective, I don't think there's really anything that changes for this team. Every player is just going to keep doing their thing. There might be a little bit of a battle for the starting shooting guard here. Dante DiVincenzo was their starting shooting guard last year. I think he holds the spot, but obviously you've got Hood and Allen and Chris Milton, who might move down there as well, uh, competing for that spot. So maybe he is someone who is considered a loser out of this, but it probably evens itself out with PJ Tucker gone, so more minutes just on those wings in general. Um, any any quick thoughts on this team here? I'll say um, DiVincenzo should be coming back. He was great, um, on the, kind of like on the defensive end, um, rebounds. Yeah. He was somewhat worth owning as a late flyer. Yeah. Um, I think Bobby Portis is also worth owning as a, a late flyer in this league just because um, they're not super deep and Bobby's going to get minutes. He, when he gets in the court, he, he gets a bucket. He's a fan favorite for a reason. Yeah, and uh, Brooke Lopez is another year older, so you've got to take that into account as well. So uh, I guess you could say that... Um... Anything's possible! Anything's possible! Anything is possible with uh, Bobby Portis. So let's let's move on to the New York Knicks. Um, yeah, they, they've had a few things going on here. Obviously, the addition of Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, a couple of draftees in Miles McBride and Quinton Grimes. Not a lot that they've given up for that. Reggie Bullock is the only main uh, loss on this team as well. What do we think is going to be different with uh, Kemba Walker on this team? Um, and and who's, who's the winner and who's the loser on this side? That's a good question. I'd say a loser maybe to some degree was RJ Barrett. Um, even though his fantasy value wasn't huge, I think it's still going to take a bit of a knock. And then Julius Randle, surely his usage will go down a bit, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I think he is actually going to be a bit of a loser out of this because um, the usage will go down. I think he had an insane jump last year. Um, and I'm just skeptical in his ability to do it again. I was very impressed. He was in my All-NBA teams. I just... Don't know if he can do it again. The assists were really high. Maybe Kemba takes a bit of that. Maybe, you know, RJ Barrett steps up another level. Um, you know, you've got players like uh, the rookie last year whose name is just escaping me. Oh, Emmanuel Quickly, who's probably going to step up again um, and improve. Tibbs is probably going to trust him a little bit more. So there's a bit more playmaking on this team. Even Evan Fournier is a better playmaker than a Reggie Bullock. Um so I think he might he might see a dip in assists. Maybe the three percentage drops off a little bit. So I can see him regressing a little bit. Um, do you think Kemba Walker is going to last? How many games before Kemba Walker gets injured in a Tom Thibodeau thirty eight minutes a night kind of role? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, they got they got a deep guard lineup, but we know, we know for a fact Tibbs will probably play him forty minutes nah, to the ground that, every night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, maybe it'll be a month. Let's say by um by Christmas. Yeah, so I would keep that in mind. Um, look, he's, he's had a lot of surgeries and problems with those knees. Um, so always keep that in mind with Kemba Walker. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's not a too much that changes here. Do you think, um, have, I, have I guessed right in Evan Fournier being their starter at small forward here? Um, I mean, I, he prob- I think he's probably going to be coming off the bench because that's just how they do it. They, they, they lost Bullock, so he's out. 
I don't know who they're going to put in instead of them. That, that's, that's the question. So, you know, you've got Alec Burks there, who's someone I considered as well, but I don't know. I, he sort of was in and out of the starting lineup last year. Um, I don't think they can start with a two guard lineup of Quickly and Walker, which you know maybe. Um, definitely don't think it's a uh, front court of Obi Toppin and Julius Randle there as well. Um, so I'm not. I'd probably just flip. Okay, when I'm reading it now, uh, so surely RJ Barrett would be the small forward, Fournier the shooting guard, and that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah so I think yeah. I think Fournier will be at the starting spot. You, you yeah. could fl- you could flip those either way. I don't think it really matters. They could cross guard yeah. and, and do all sorts of different things. So yeah. Uh, I yeah. guess one question again is um. Well, when you're in the draft day, something I kind of like what people do is they draft both Mitchie Robinson and Nerlens Noel because yeah. we know one of them will go down and then the other one will put up good value. Yeah. There, there, there <laughs> and is we're in probably, the same situation again this year. I'm not a big believer in handcuffing, but I think in this situation it is okay, especially if you can get like uh, Nerlens Noel sort of like with your last pick because um, it is good insurance if, you, if you're a Mitchell Robinson owner because... Here, they both are obviously injury-prone and foul-prone as well, so it can sort of work out uh, to your favor that way. Let's go over on to Orlando. No free agencies of note, although they did sign the brother of Franz Wagner, Mo Wagner, to the team uh, because, you know, that's just nice. That's brotherly love, bringing them together. Um, And also their number four pick, Jalen Suggs, and they lost Otto Porter, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, for the Chicago Bulls. Um, what's, What's going on here? Do you think that... Jalen Suggs starts opening night? I think he definitely does, yeah. He looked, Put lock him in. Lock him in for a starting role. He looked amazing in their first game. I was really, really impressed with his uh, defensive ability. Um, maybe lacks the passing and assist creation that maybe these other guys are, and maybe the fact that he is, might be playing a bit more shooting guard. Fultz and Anthony's there. You might not see the assists that you might like in year one, but... I think he's just going to be awesome. I think he's going to be someone who's going to put up steals, blocks from the guard position, points. His shot looks really good. So uh, I am I am in on Jalen Suggs. Uh, I think he could be a top 100 player this season. Um, so I'd be comfortable drafting him in redraft leagues. Would you? Yeah, I totally agree. I can see him putting up about the 16, 5, and 5 with um, you know, one, maybe one and a half steals. And that's definitely worth owning with the steals and the assists. Um, he won't hurt you. He's just one of those players that I don't think will really hurt you at all. And he'll just contribute to a good winning team in terms of the fantasy value. Even with Foltz and Cole Anthony, um, whoever does end up starting next to him. Um, Foltz, I think, obviously will still have some time off yeah, just because of the shortened really. season. He probably will be out for the, the first month at least, but that's yet to be determined. Yeah, um, I've, I've, yeah, I think I think Fultz and Isaac are both out um, to start the season, which is why I don't have them listed as the starting five, but I think both of them do start eventually by the end of the season. So keep that in mind. Um, at the moment, I've got Cole Anthony and Franz Wagner uh, filling the gaps there, but I think that will change by the end of the season. Moving right along, let's go on to Philadelphia. Nothing really happening here. They swapped out Dwight Howard for Andre Drummond and drafted Jaden Springer for this team. Um, they also signed George Niang, uh, but very little else happening. We're just waiting for a Ben Simmons trade. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Um, do we get a trade before the start of the season, Cal? Uh, it's possible. I wouldn't rule it out with this league. I reckon, I reckon it's happening. Guaranteed! Yeah, lock it in. Lock it in right now. We're getting a Ben Simmons trade. Uh, I think that this is going to... Well, I, I think they're going to try to play it out like a James Harden situation and force them into it by not talking to anyone, kick up a storm. But I just don't think... Well, I think they should. They definitely should trade him before, before the start of the season. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to make that a Charles Barkley guarantee. <laughs> 
Actually, I do. Th- I think I read an article today saying that he um he told the front office that he wasn't coming to training camp. He wasn't, oh, really? Wasn't coming to the, I, I believe I did read that. Well, we'll Hasn't see. been confirmed, but we'll, we'll see how that happens. And, and of the, course, the wheels are returning on that one. That's for sure. Yeah, and of course, have you seen all the the footage of him hitting threes with Rondo and all this sort of stuff? Oh, dude, he's working on that on that J. Just like every year, every every, year. every summer, he's been he's been working on it for years. He's if, finally going to unleash it. What if one year he actually just comes in and starts bombing threes away? I'd be just, I'd be very happy. Hits forty percent from three. Yeah, that'd be very very happy. <laughs> let's let's move over on to Toronto. We've got obviously they lost Kyle Lowry and um, shout out to Aaron Baines has also been waived by the team as well. They um, picked up. Goran Dragic and Precious Ashua in that sign and trade. It looks like Goran Dragic is on the team for now, but there was talk about him being moved on later on, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, he made an apology or something later on about saying something to the Raptors, but anyway. And they've also obviously drafted Scotty Barnes. Now, it also looks like Pascal Siakam might miss the start of the season with a labrum surgery that he had towards the end of the last season. Um, so we have to keep that in mind as well. What's happening here, Cal? Who, who are the biggest winners and losers with Kyle Lowry uh, leaving the, the Raptors? It's, it's obviously, it's got to be Freddie Van Fleet. I think those assist numbers will definitely go up. And this is a guy who was kind of like the 20, the 25 range just because he was getting steals. He was doing it all. And and I think that now that the ball will be in his hand just that bit more. He, he could get up to eight assists. Yeah, he get up more than that. It wouldn't surprise me yeah. at all, which really would definitely kind of secure him for me as a, a second round pick easily. He was going, when he went in the third round last season, uh, he's definitely definitely a second-round pick in my eyes. I think he's easily a second-round pick, and if you are punting field goal percentage, if you can pair him at the end of the first round with someone like a Trey Young or, I don't know, someone like a Bradley Beal, probably not the best example, but, um, yeah, some, someone like that, he, he's returning first-round value for you because he's uh, ranked 24th last year, and that was shooting... Let me look it up. 39%. Under 40% shooting, and he's still a top 25 player. That That's incredible. So you take that field goal percentage out of the equation, if you're punting that category, he is extremely valuable and a very underrated player. So I do love me some Fred Van Vliet. Uh, I'm also keeping my eye on Malachi Flynn. Um, he's someone who is very interesting to me. We saw glimpses of him last year when they started tanking really bad. Um, although I do think that Gary Trent Jr. is the starting shooting guard on opening night. I wouldn't be shocked by the end of the season if um, that is Malachi Flynn starting next to Van Vliet. We know that I, we know they like to start two two guards together that can both handle the ball. Um, they've done it with Kyle Lowry and Van Vliet. Um, and I think Gary Trent is a bit one-dimensional for me. Um, so what are your thoughts on Malachi Flynn? Um, I, look, I'm not going to draft him anytime soon. I probably wouldn't draft him. He's, he's, he's a watch worth list. having on my watch list. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say draft unless we hear a lot of noise in the in the in the preseason of him starting or getting sort of 26 minutes a night. Um, what do you think about the center position? Uh, I've got Ken Birch in there as my starting center. Um, I'm just going with the fact that it doesn't look like they think. Um, Boucher is a starting center. He'll probably still put up lots of stats in limited minutes. But I think we, we shouldn't be treating him as like a 30-minute-a-night guy in Boucher. Um, Ken Birch is probably sort of the mid-20s in minutes for me personally. Um, do you think I've got that right there, Cal? I, I think you do have it right. I think Ken Birch will be the starting center. Um, but I will say it could even... Precious does have a chance. Um, Precious Achua, who they acquired in that trade. But right now, I would put my money on Birch. And I'd, I'd even throw a bit of a flyer as a late-round pick. 
because he will put up reasonable um, value if he, if he is starting. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. He's a solid back-end sort of guy to me. Um, last team for the Eastern Conference, we're going through the Washington Wizards. They've obviously added Spencer Dinwiddie, Aaron Holiday, Montrez Harrell, Corey Kispert, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, and they have lost Russell Westbrook and Ish Smith. So lots of ins there, not many outs. Uh, obviously, a lot of that in that Russell Westbrook trade. Um, I think that this makes Bradley Beal first round considering you, you consider him at the end of the first round again um, what are your thoughts on Spencer Dinwiddie I think he is going to have a lot of hype around him in the preseason are you on board the hype are you, are you jumping on there um, it depends where like how, how um, early in the draft I reckon people are going to I don't know I reckon I reckon people get pretty excited um, I'm thinking he might be around the board on pick 50 to 60 personally but uh, again that's a bit of a stab in the dark I'd be going after that. I'd, I'd probably say I don't think he's ever really put up a whole lot of assists. So for a point guard, if you're doing a punt assist build, then you need, you need point guards. You still need them. You could go Spencer Dinwiddie on, on that type of build. Um, but I'd, I'd probably only be putting maybe like a, a pick around the 80s to yeah. acquire him. Yeah. Um, just because of the injury thing. But we learned from last season, look, injuries can – ruin everything um it's just it is what it is i would say danny Appiah. Uh, um he suffered a, i thought he suffered a bit of an injury last season i'm not too sure if he's going to be in the second lineup to begin it yeah but, i think that's a bit of a question mark for me um but look kuzma could slide in there um he KCP. could be a fly maybe we'll wait and see what training camp's coming out as yeah. but remember kuzma averaged 18 points in this league and he will be having a pretty good opportunity here uh like I, i'd keep him on my watch list yeah look I'm not excited about Kyle Kuzma. I think <laughs> I just think that there's this this is such a weirdly deep team with a bunch of average players that they're all going to take minutes away from each other. You've got KCP, you've got Corey Pispert, you've got Kyle Kuzma, you've got Rui Hachimura, you've got Davis Bertan still there, you've got Thomas Bryant, you've got Daniel Gafford, you've got Montrez Harrell. All those guys are like power forward, center, small forward kind of players. So I just don't think any of them are going to have real value, personally. I think they're all just going to take minutes off each other. Um, and Kuzma, even when he gets minutes, he's a points and threes guy only. He doesn't really do much else outside of that. Um, so if you need that, that, that's fine, and you can stream him in, but I don't think I'm going to be drafting any of those players personally. So uh, for me, in terms of fantasy relevance, it's Spencer Dinwiddie and it's Bradley Beal. I think that's that's it for this team for me. Uh, maybe you might get Montrez Harrell if you've got the right punt build. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I don't think what, I'm going to be about drafting. Thomas Bryant. Would you consider Thomas Bryant at all? I, th- I think he's going to be injured at the start of the season. And I've got a new rule now, Cal. I'm not drafting injured players. <laughs> <laughs> After Jaron Jackson Jr. last year, that just put a fork in me. And I'm, I'm, I'm just very conscious, especially for someone who doesn't have much upside like him. I'll just pick him up later when he's, when he's healthy. So uh, that would be my answer to that. All right, well, we might leave it there, guys. That is a wrap-up of our Eastern Conference um, breakdown of the fantasy-relevant implications from free agency. Um, if you're listening along on YouTube, hit us up in the comments on players you think that we missed out on or any questions you have. Um, if you are listening along on the podcast, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, subscribe. And next time, we are coming at you with the Western Conference team. So we'll catch you then. Laters. Laters.